Welcome to the Mustang UMC podcast recorded each Sunday morning during our 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. services. We invite you to join us in praise and worship during that time, and our hope is that this podcast serves as an encouragement for you and for your family in your daily life. you to remain standing in body or in spirit as we receive the word of God. Today it comes from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 3, verses 3 through 6. Let's give our attention to the reading of God's holy word. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, prepare the way for the Lord's coming, clear the roads for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level, the curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. Then all people will see the salvation sent from God. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Amen. You all may be seated. Let us pray. And so God, we pray that your word and your truth and your presence would meet us right here in the middle, in the middle of our season, in the middle of Advent, in the middle of our lives, Lord, meet us here. Show us your truth, your love, your peace, your goodness. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I imagine there are some of you in the room who remembers the days when it was okay to be unannounced and ring somebody's doorbell and just show up. But if you do that today, you're going to freak somebody out, right? I mean, right, if, if somebody just shows up and, and they don't text you like, hey, can I come by? Hey, I want to drop by. Um, then we're like, who's ringing our doorbell, right? Um, and now there's probably a lot of us uh, who have a ring doorbell, um, right? So even if we know you're coming, we can still say, no, guys, be quiet. <laughs> Let's not be home. Right? I mean, there, there's something because we want to be ready for when a, a guest is going to arrive. And even if you have like a super clean house, y'all are still like when somebody's coming, you still get into panic mode a little bit, right? You're like, well, I haven't dusted yet today. Right? You, you, you want to do anything and everything you can. While there are other households that are like, all right, get the dirty clothes off the floor, get the clean clothes off the couch. All right? Then let's make sure that we just put all the dishes in the dishwasher. They don't have to be organized. Just put it and close it. So it looks like we're we're prepared for you, right, when we come. And God help us if somebody is coming to stay the night at our house, right? Because then we're going to make that guest room look better than anything else, right? We, well, we, we make a bed. I don't make a bed, all right, but we make that bed. We, we, we fluff the pillows or we vacuum that room four or five times, even though nobody's been stepping in that room for a while. And then the bathroom, right? That, that, that tub is cleaner than your regular tub, right? Because we, when a guest is coming, we want to be ready for their arrival. We, we want there to, to say, hey, we are waiting for you. We are, are ready for you. Being prepared for somebody is important. But then when it's not just somebody coming by, or it's not just somebody staying the night, when there's a new arrival at your household, then, then the game really changes, doesn't it? Uh, when, when my wife Heather and I found out that we were pregnant for the first time, all of a sudden we had lots of room to make for this tiny little creature, right? You, we, we had a, an office, and one of the things that I've realized is an office is what people who don't have children living in the home have, 
Um, uh, but but we, we had an office. Uh, we, I, we were in seminary at the time, so we had this nice, quiet place where we could work and write papers and do all the other sort of stuff. But all of a sudden, that didn't matter anymore because that room belonged to Micah. And so we had to get it ready, right? You, you, you might have done this. You, you painted the room. You set the theme, whatever it might be. You built the crib. I mean, that was one of like my dad like moments of like, welcome to fatherhood. Build this crib. Um, you get everything ready. You want it to be just right so when that baby comes, they are, they are welcomed with love, even though they don't know what in the world you'd put into it, right? So, and I know that sometimes parents are crazy. We, we can be crazy. And so I thought, I bet there are some parents who just went over the top with their nurseries and made no logical sense. And so I Googled it, because that's what I do apparently from time to time. And I came across, I put in like crazy nurseries or something like this. And so I found some pictures that I want to share with you. Um, this one um, is for twin boys, apparently. A carousel that doesn't move. Um, that is uh, a little intense. Um, in my opinion. I think we've got a, another one. Um, this one, I just love the impracticality of the circular crib. And where do you find a mattress that fits into that? Do you have to have a custom-made mattress, I would think? I mean, again, I didn't Google circular mattresses. I didn't go that far, but maybe that's what you have to, to find into that one. My favorite one that I found was, though, was this next one. Um, because I thought, those parents are going to train this kid to never be afraid of anything because he got to look at that moon every day as a baby. And if he could stand that, he'll be fine with anything, right? Now, here's what we know is that a baby on the way just changes everything. Because when we reoriented our house, right, we had to decide, okay, do I still need this desk? Is this desk actually what I need? What do I do with this bookshelf? Is this chair that we got at a yard sale five years ago, do we still actually need that? Because we have to clear the way. We have to make room. We have to get rid of stuff in order for the baby to come. But that's not easy because our lives are so full. Our houses are full. Our time is full. It's amazing, though, how sometimes we... Realize what's really important. When a tragedy strikes, when something strikes, and we're able to realize that we can drop a lot of things so that we can hold on to what is important. And, and as I was thinking about it, there, there are so often in life that my schedule, my heart, and my head are just filled with chaos. Right? I mean, is, is that the way that it is? is? Is it just seems like I'm always struggling? I'm always, I'm always three or four days behind um, I'm always struggling to just hold on. Um, and my head is going a thousand miles a minute. My heart is worried with grief and all sorts of stuff. And then Christmas comes. And the chaos of the fall only gets amplified because Christmas is here. Because there's a whole new set of emotions. There's a whole new set of activities. There's a whole new set of stuff that is going on in Christmas. And we as a church can even add to it, right? We have these great things that we'd love for you to be a part of. There's just so much. Our schedules, our hearts, our heads are full. And it's chaotic. And it's going, and it's going, and it's going, and it's going. And then the preacher stands up and says, peace. And you're like, <laughs> L-O-L. Now here's the thing I've noticed. Is that, is that we've, we've changed the word of chaos 
to be a culturally appropriate word, and we say busy. And we have said that, that chaos is okay because we're supposed to be busy. We're, that means that we're important if we're busy. That means that people have asked us to do things. That means we're invited to things. And, and, and so that it's a good thing that we are busy. And I don't just mean busy with activity, though that certainly is part of it. Our head is busy. We're worried about things we have absolutely no control over. Our hearts are busy. We're busy dealing with unprocessed grief or emotions of the season, or especially in this time. Um, the, there are feelings that are stirred up, sometimes good, sometimes bad, and, and we're not always sure what to do with it, but we have, we, have, we have said that we're busy when really our life is at chaos. Now, when I think about busy, I think about some songs. Now, you're not going to be surprised that one of them is a 90s country song, of course, right? It's an Alabama classic. I'm in a hurry to get things done. Oh, I'm rushing, rushing to life's no fun. All I really got to do is live and die, but I'm in a hurry and don't know why, right? Like there's this, this like idea of I'm in a hurry and Christmas, we're in a hurry. We're going, we're going, we're going, and I don't know why because that's not the point of it. But there's this other song, and um, it's, it's a song by Mercy Me. Mercy Me, most famous for, I can only imagine, great, great song. Um, but they had some of their, er- so after I listened to that, I can only imagine that yellow CD that I listen to all the time, um, I got some of their previous stuff. And they have a couple of albums from like when they first started as a band called Traces of Rain, Volume 1, and Traces of Rain, Volume 2. I think I might be one of the only people in this whole church who's ever listened to Traces of Rain. But there's a song on there. And, and it, it's, uh, it hits me. And, it, and it, it stops me in my tracks when I think about being busy because it goes like this. I'm so busy. Being busy, that there's just no time to sit and listen a while for a rest, just for a while. And I see it, oh, I see it, but I'm not so sure that I'm looking through your eyes or through my own. Let me rest a while. I'm always trying to see something I'd rather see. Why can't I only see what you do? Cut the mask away and step from the shade. Let the Son of God come and shine upon my face. Trust the cross alone. That his love has been shown. That apart from you, Lord, there's nothing I can do. No, there's nothing I can do. I'm so busy being busy. There's just no time to sit and listen a while. And we do this. And we, we experience this and, and, and the busyness and the chaos of life. And again and again, we practice the season of Advent. And so for us as Christians, the, the weeks leading up to, to Christmas 
is the season of Advent. It's about expectation. It's about preparation. It's about hoping and waiting and believing that Jesus will come, that the Messiah, that the Savior will come again, and that we practice this discipline of Advent. Now, um, we have co-opted that as a world and even as a church in which we're so ready for Christmas to get here that we don't always practice the discipline of preparation and of waiting that Advent really means and that Advent really brings. And that's why this message from John the Baptist is so important. During this this sermon series and during this whole season that we're in, our theme is the best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. Last week we looked at Mary's song. And today we're we're looking at John the Baptist's song about preparing the way of the Lord, that, that that there is something that needs to happen for people to really experience the grace and transformation of Jesus. That, that, that there is some work that needs to be done for us to be able to really experience what Christmas is all about. We have to get in the mood. And so John the Baptist's goal is to help us to do that, is to help the people to be prepared. And, and it makes me think of one of my favorite sayings, which is this, is that most people can only take one step at a time. And that Jesus, and God knew that before Jesus was to come on the earth, that there needed to be somebody who made a way, who prepared the way, who cleared the way to say, this, all of a sudden, this moment, this time, something different is about to happen. And that was the message of John the Baptist. He said, prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be, strength, will be straightened and the rough places made smooth, and then all people will see the salvation sent from God. Clear the road so that Jesus can come in. I mean, and this is really the experience of Christmas decorating, right? I mean, that we have to rearrange our homes. We have to rearrange our hallways. We have to rearrange our foyer in our church to make room for all the Christmas decorations, right? It's amazing sometimes. You get the tubs out of the attic, and you're thinking, where is all this stuff going to go? Right? And, and where's all the stuff in the house? But you have to rearrange the stuff in the house so that you have room for the Christmas decorations. And the same thing is true of our life, is that we have to rearrange, we have to clear the road. We have to repent, we have to get rid of some things so that we can fully experience Jesus. And so how do our hearts, as the great song says, prepare him room? Let every heart prepare him room. What do we do? The first thing I think we have to do is we have to name the chaos. We have to name it is, what it is that is swirling in your head and your heart that is keeping you from experiencing Jesus. And, and maybe it's activities. Maybe you've said yes to too many things. You're so popular, you've been invited to all these Christmas parties. Maybe you should have said no to a couple. Maybe you, you have this idea of what the perfect Christmas is like and what is keeping you from, from really experiencing Jesus is that there is this mythical perfect Christmas that you keep trying to attain instead of what's really there. Maybe it's grief that you've never processed. Maybe it is just a head full of so many things that you just keep swirling around and swirling around and swirling around. And so it's chaos. And so you need to name it. You need to identify it. What is it that is keeping you? Because if you don't name it, you can't address it. Because really that's the second thing, is to repent of your chaos. Is you have to say, God, I don't believe that this is coming from you. Now, sometimes you're like, um, Aaron, this ain't going to work because a chaotic person is also in my family. 
and I've got to see them for Christmas. So, so do you want me to just get rid of them? No. I mean, they're part of, of being a follower of Jesus is that sometimes we deal with difficult people in difficult situations. But we have to find a way to not let those difficult people or difficult situations control our hearts. We can be with people. We can love people while keeping a distance from letting them to infect us with their anxiety or their emotions or their unhealthiness. And so, but what we have to do today is to repent that we've let ourselves be formed by our chaos instead of letting ourselves be formed by Jesus. We've let our schedules be formed by chaos. We've let our hearts be formed by chaos. And so we have to name it and we have to repent of it. I mean, this is part of what John's purpose was. He said it went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. And so that's what repentance is. It's about naming. I've been heading in this way. And this way is stress and chaos and not the life God's called me to live. And so I'm turning a different way so that I can head towards Jesus and to look to him. And that's really the third thing, is that we're called to look for the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah, it says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulders, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so as we clear the way, as we clear our schedule, as we clear our hearts, as we clear our heads, we look and we see where Jesus is coming in the midst. I mean, this is the incarnation, that Jesus has come into our chaos to bring peace into it. I mean, one of the things that when I study Scripture, all right, because Scripture is a tough thing to study sometimes. There's a, a lot of different cultures, a lot of different languages, a lot of different situations that are hard for us to understand. So one of the things that I try to do is look for the themes of Scripture, because these are the things that, that we see again and again, so there must be something important about it. And so in the very beginning, in Genesis chapter 1, it says the earth was formless and void. And one of the ways that that's translated is chaotic. And God spoke and brought order to the chaos. This is what God does. He speaks and brings order to the chaos. And so I believe that God is speaking into your heart. But can you even hear him? Or do you have your headphones in so that the outside influence or, or the outside world, your headphones, and you can't hear the voice of God? And so he speaks into it. I think about how extraordinary it is during the Exodus, during this Old Testament story of the Exodus, of how the sea, again, we have another sea. This is a theme throughout Scripture. And sea, for the people in the ancient Near East, was the place of chaos because they didn't understand it. We don't understand it. They certainly didn't understand it. But what did God do is he led them through the sea to the other side. He split the sea so they could walk right through it. Order in the midst of chaos. You think about Jesus in the New Testament. How when there was a storm and he was asleep and the disciples panicked, don't you care about us, Jesus, we're drowning here. You ever prayed that one? And he wakes up and he says, peace be still, and he calms the sea. This is a power of who God is, the Prince of Peace. And even at the end of the story in Revelation, the sea represents chaos. And so there's this theme of peace in the midst of chaos, peace in the midst of the swirling sea that people have. And so we have to believe that there is peace, but we have to look for it. We have to listen to it. We have to be attentive to it. Because while the, the Advent song of John the Baptist is prepare the way of the Lord, 
The Christmas song of John the Baptist could be found in John 3.30 when he says these words. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And this is what Christmas is really about. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. And how do I know what Christmas is all about? It's, well, who do I put at the center? And so often I put me at the center because that's what we as humans do. Well, I have a busy Christmas this year. I have all these things to do. I have to go get presents. I have to go to these birthday parties. I have to make sure that I have the right Christmas list to the right people so that people don't get the wrong gifts. I, 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 I. I put myself at the center of Christmas. Or can we put Jesus? Can he become greater and greater? Lord, can I just sit with you a while? There's nothing I can do, the song says. Can I just sit and be and experience maybe the love that I didn't know that I needed or the peace that is actually possible? He must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. Now, I'm, I'm guilty. Um, in fact, as a, as a pastor, it's, um, I might be more guilty than some of you about like missing the whole purpose. Because I should know better, right? Uh, there's this text in, in John chapter 3. You're, fa- you're familiar with John 3.16 where um, Nicodemus, uh, who is uh, a Pharisee, he's a teacher of the law, um, goes to Jesus. And you've heard John 3.16. For God so loved the world, this is the gospel, right? That he, um, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Um, there's another line in there um, where uh, John, uh, Nicodemus is asking Jesus about these things. And, uh, and Jesus says, you're Israel's teacher and don't know these things? Um, and I sometimes feel that. Like, I'm, I'm Israel's teacher. Not, I mean, like, I'm, I'm Mustang's preacher and I don't know these things. It's so easy for me to get caught up in the, the busyness and the hecticness of all the things I have to do. That I miss the whole point of Christmas and Advent. Of sitting and being with Jesus. Um, and so you all know that I, I've mentioned before that, that I feel like God has pr- called me to journaling and I have continually put that off, all right? Judge me if you want to, but that's a sin too. So, um, and so uh, I, was, I was talking with some of my friends that I meet with weekly and uh, I was just talking about just being overwhelmed and just not being able to think or experience Christmas and Advent and, and just how I'm just doing all these things. So my friend Chris he says, well, Aaron, you're going to journal today. And he said, I want you to let me know after you do it. Well, I was like, well, I've, I've got this meeting at this time and this meeting at this time, and then I've got lunch, and then I've got this and this and this, so I might be able to do it tomorrow. Now, in Aaron's head, now, this, I, this, is, a, this is the glimpse you didn't want into my head, all right? But this is what you get anyways, uh, because you're sitting there, and I'm here, um, and I got the mic, is, is I sometimes think that if I can't do it right, I can't do it. Anybody else like that? If I can't do it right, I can't do it. He's like, and so my friend, he said, Aaron, that's tough. I said, okay, you're right. He said, so here's what we're going to do. He said, I'm going to shut up. He said, you're going to put two-minute timer on your phone. You've got a pad. Just write down whatever prayer you need to Jesus. And so that's what he did. That's what you all get to do. So here's what I'm going to do. Is I'm going to be quiet, shut up, so Jesus can speak. And you can speak to Jesus. And I want you to name your chaos. And so um, in the back of the pew pockets, we have these little blue things that say doodle forms, unless the early service used them all. If not, there are offering envelopes. Um, And so I'm going to set a timer for two minutes on my phone. And and I'm going to just invite you to name your chaos. 
Name those things that are keeping you and distracting you from Jesus. Name those things that are heavy in your heart and in your head that might prevent you from seeing Advent or Christmas. There may be activities, it may be grief, it may be some thoughts or whatever the case may be. But I'm going to set a timer and we're going to do it because it doesn't have to be perfect. I'm not going to grade this. You're not going to have to turn it in. This is between you and Jesus. So your two minutes, I'm going to have us, I'm going to pray for you and then we'll start our timer. So Lord, I pray for these two minutes that you would speak to us as we speak to you about the things that are taking room in our hearts, that are taking room in our heads, that are taking room in our schedules, that, put, that are in place of you. So Lord, we give you our heaviness because you promise that those who are weary can come to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Mustang UMC podcast. Once again, our services are at 8.30 and 10.50 a.m. every Sunday morning, and we would love to see you there. For more information about the Mustang United Methodist Church, please visit us at mustangumc.org or email us at office at mustangumc.org. That is office at mustangumc.org. We hope you enjoyed.